Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, everyone. I'm Patrick Colley with Keystone Elder Law. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show. We started this show to be a resource to share some of the language of issues that come up for people in the later years of life. Uh, last episode or some of the past episodes, I talked about the levels of care and the expense that goes with that. I've talked about legal planning that you can do to protect assets, even just having the fundamentals of an estate plan with asset protection built into it really, really makes life go a lot more smoothly for yourself and for your family. So you're you're avoiding both financial and emotional complications when things come up later in life. So today, I wanted to bring somebody else on. So you're not just hearing it from me, you're hearing another perspective. I have Rick Campomizzi, who is with Assisted Living Locators. I've talked about the levels of care, the independent living or care in your home. I've talked about personal care communities or assisted living communities, and I've talked about skilled nursing communities. But Rick is the person who is on the front lines of guiding families through the options and looking at what is best for them on a lot of levels. So I'm very, very happy to be uh, joined today by Rick Campamizzi of Assisted Living Locators. Rick, thank you for your time today. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I think one of the first questions that, that I had when I was thinking about what we would be talking about is, when is the right time to be considering a higher level of care um, than what the family can provide at home, for example? Well, I think you got to look at every uh, person's needs. And when it becomes unsafe to be at home, uh, that's when the family's got to start thinking. Because most families who get to me, by the time they call me, the fam- the individual is much further along in their needs than what they believe. And so the earlier that you can get them, because once they can get to a community, they can really thrive. They can really um it's amazing after I have a person move into a community and then I go back 30 days later, I'm shocked at how much more vibrant they are because of all the interaction, the stimulation and the socialization that they're getting. Yeah. I think we saw, especially during COVID uh, the effect of waiting too long and there, you know, it's a little more understandable. There was a legitimate fear that if I go into this community around other people, I'm going to get sick. But it had the effect of people staying at home and and trying to make it work there for much longer than they should have. So when they finally realize they need a higher level of care, assisted living or personal care might not even do it at that point. They would have to go to the highest level of care. That's correct. That's correct. And even after they come out of rehab, a lot of times they may have been living independently two weeks prior to going into the hospital or rehab. Then all of a sudden, they're being suggested that they need skilled. And I'm like, whoa, do we need to jump a bunch of levels to get the skilled? And maybe so, but not always. And that's why I think a lot of people don't know uh, what care is provided at every level and what is the right care for their family or their loved one. And when you you said that the bottom line is really when it's not safe at home anymore, what Mm -hmm. are some of the factors you're looking for there? Well, I think it's, you know, when somebody calls me, I'm saying, what's not working? Tell me what, what prompted you to give me the call. And a lot of times they could be in the hospital, they could already be at a rehab, and they've been notified within 48 hours of being discharged and panic sets in for the family. So it's even getting beyond before that. Is it safe? Do they have multiple levels of the home that they have to navigate through? 
have they lost a loved one in recent time or has it been years and are they lacking socialization? So a lot of times it's just taking a look at the surroundings and around them and is it is it safe for them to be there? The best thing I can probably say is the person calling me, which is usually one of the children, are they fearful or afraid that their parent or loved one is not safe any longer? And at that point, they probably, it's time to start talking and, and, and looking because that's the, that's the most important thing. I want people to stay in their homes as long as they can, as long as it's safe for them and they get the interaction and the socialization because I can't underestimate the power of socialization, particularly after they recently lost a loved one because a lot of times, you know, I'll ask them, tell me what your loved one does during the day. Just walk me through their typical day. And many times it's they get up, they have breakfast, they sit in front of the television, they have lunch, they sit in front of the television. Well, that's not stimulating. And I think they're missing a lot of that, um, that they could really be helping their, their, their loved one thrive. Yeah, I love that you define pretty broadly what is safe when it comes to staying in the home versus seeking some higher level of care. I mean, the obvious thing that comes to mind is if you have to climb stairs, well, you might be a fall risk that can lead to obvious complications. But you're defining safe at home to include just the the the, uh, the danger of isolation mm-hmm. and what that does to a person physically, mentally, spiritually. It's it's just something that I think, again, COVID really brought to light, mm-hmm. that isolation can really lead to a quick decline in a lot of ways, physically, mentally, and so forth. Well, and, and also, how much upkeep are they doing to the home? Or they have people coming in for that. Um, I had last year a woman who was just fearful of being alone anymore. She was doing all the yard work, the housework, everything, and her daughter just said she's afraid. She was 101. So I'm not sure at what point we make that decision. Everybody's different. I mean, I've talked to people who were in their 50s and 60s, early 60s, who need care. And then I talked to people who are 99 and they're just vibrant as can be, but it's time to um, make the move. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, when I'm 101, I'd love to have the ability to cut the grass, but I, I hope at that point I've given that responsibility over to someone else. But um, so, you know, I think a lot of what you're describing, too, is just uh, and we talked a little bit about this before going on the air, the, the sort of the power of having a purpose. So it's not just the socialization, but the socialization leads to a purpose. So when you're when you have a spouse, you know, maybe you're taking care of the spouse or you have children in the house, you're taking care of the children. But when you lose everybody and you're living alone, what is your purpose? And if your purpose is to sit in front of the TV, you don't have a will to live. I mean, right. there's not that reason isn't there. And I think when you get people into a care community, they're looking out for each other, they're catching up with each other, they're there's something to that that adds purpose to getting out of bed every day. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, it's just a lot of the process is when people are considering moving a loved one, isn't just their medical needs, but what are their interests? And so if we can match up their needs and their interests with the right community, um, it's, it could be they like pinochle or they like to garden and where they like to walk outdoors. And so sometimes it might be the exterior setting of the community and what has the best options for them in terms of walking paths and nature and that type of thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of decisions and factors that go into selecting a community when the time is right. And, and that's my job is to make sure that I do a thorough assessment on what the needs are, but also what their desires and wants are. 
And so I can match that up and put them in the perfect place where they can go and thrive. I mean, between Dolphin County and Cumberland County, we have over 50 communities to choose from. And so where do people begin in that process? And I'm in these communities every day, every week. And so I, you know, when I'm making recommendations to family, I would only recommend communities that I would place my own loved one in because it's such a big decision in the, in the families. It's very agonizing process for them because first of all, a lot of them will say that they would never put their mother or father into a community. And that's because they're thinking about what communities are like 30 and 40 years ago, whenever it was skilled nursing, when it was a more of an institutional setting, these places have changed so much today. They're, they're beautiful and vibrant and there's just, you can be as active as you want to be. And then you can be as isolated as you want to be. It's really up to the wishes and you can mix it in. Yeah, I, I really love that you, you're you thinking about this in terms of, you know, putting yourself in their shoes, having empathy and compassion and thinking, where would I put my own parents? Because that's you do feel that responsibility when guiding older adults. I feel it every day at Keystone Elder Law. Uh, you know, what would I want my own family to to have in certain in terms of protection and so forth? We'll, uh, we'll go to a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about, you know, the kinds of things you talk about with families uh, when they first approach you, um, what that that needs assessment looks like. And I want people to remember that, you know, a lot of the past episodes that, that we've done on the Later in Life Planning Show are available on whp580.com. If you go into the upper left-hand corner, there's a menu and it says podcasts and you will find the Later in Life Planning Show you can find us on the iHeartRadio app on your phone or just about any other podcast player, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so forth. And, of course, we, we offer weekly webinars, online workshops uh, through Keystone Elder Law to talk about ways to plan legally ahead with your estate planning and other legal tools to protect assets and make life easier for your loved ones. This is just, uh, you know, I think both Rick Campamizi with Assisted Living Locators and us at, at Keystone Elder Law, we share the, the viewpoint that we have to educate people. We have to make them aware of the, the issues that are coming down the pike because, uh, you know, you, you find yourself in the circumstance and now you're having to learn a whole new language that you never particularly wanted to learn. But, but it's, you know, you have to sort out a puzzle. We want to start with the education sooner rather than later. We'll be back in a moment with the Later in Life Planning Show. You're listening to News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show. This is Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law. I am joined today by Rick Campamizi with Assisted Living Locators. If you've been listening to Rick and it's really resonating with you, you're thinking, gosh, I need to talk to this guy. You can reach out to him by phone at 717-802-1074. That's 802-1074. Rick, before the break, you were talking about uh, some of the things that that uh, go through the minds of people who come to, to see you. And, and uh, they might be dead set against any higher level of care outside their home. Uh, and a lot of that you were saying comes from this this mindset or this image they have of care that might be way outdated. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, sure. They they go back to their own experience when they had to deal with their own parent at the time. It could have been in the 80s or it could have been in the 90s when they needed care. And at that point, as we know, skilled nursing today, that's pretty much what it was 40 years ago. Um, and so 
you know, that's a big reason why a lot of people don't want to go in. The other, the other reason why an individual doesn't want to go, they don't want to give up their independence. Uh, and, you know, some of these people have been in their homes for 50 years and they don't, they don't want to give that up. And I certainly understand that. And if we can keep them in the home and it's safe for them to stay in the home, by all means, that'll be the direction that we go where we can get home care that can come in uh, to provide services for them so they can stay there as long as possible. Um, but, you know, for the most part, that's not 24 hours around the clock, depending on what the care may be. And, you know, if you do stay in your home and you are getting around the care clock, you're probably spending a lot more to have that care than being in a community where everything is there for you, your meals, um, the socialization, the activities, and where you can just re-engage and make new friends. Right. And not to mention the conversation I frequently have with people, which is, you know, a, a couple in their 80s. And I say, look, if the husband who's six foot, 220 pounds falls in the middle of the night, can the the much smaller wife pick him up? And the answer is almost always no, not, at least not without hurting herself and leading to care for her as well. So, um, yeah, I think that there's that independent piece, but, but we all get uh, the realization as we get older that we're really, we really are interdependent. And Bringing someone like you in, they're they're leaning on you a little bit, and boy, does it pay off for them. I, I've you know I've seen uh, what you are able to do for families, and and I think leaning on on some people who can provide a little bit of assistance, it, they may be surprised at how much better life is than what they've built up in their heads. But this also comes up in the context of you know the adult children who are calling me and and saying, hey, I really need to do something about my parents, but. I don't even know how to start having this conversation. It feels very uncomfortable. What do you suggest there? Well, I suggest getting me involved and let's have that meeting set up and we'll we'll meet there face-to-face and we'll talk about what their needs are. Uh, I'm doing that this coming Saturday with a family that that I helped place their father and now it's time for the mother, but she's being a little resistant and a little picky from what the son says. And so it's just meeting with them and it's just showing them what's out there through information, uh, you know, having things on the computer, what, what's important to her. So it's really trying to cater to what she wants and her, when her expectations are, but let alone helping the son or the daughter because they're the ones who are worrying 24-7 about the loved one. Uh, and if I can give them peace of mind, that's as gratifying as finding the right, pe- the right place for their loved one. Right. And as you're going through with a sit down face to face meeting, you might be, you know, say, tell me what your objections are. What don't you want? And you can sort of address each one. And they might be surprised to find that there is a place where they none of their objections would be there. That's that's correct. And when you look at everything that's available to them and what these communities have done such a fantastic job of their thought process, they're working in their homes. So it's you know, that they just want to make life as grand as possible for their residents. You know, you'd be surprised when you hear that, you know, we have happy hour twice a week to drink limit, but there's happy hour twice a week or there's ice cream socials every Monday. It really depends. I mean, they, they can, like I said, they can be as active. I walk into these places and people with a sense of purpose who are, who are widowed, they're dressing up again. They're just not sitting in loungewear. They are dressing up to go to, to lunch or to go to dinners or they're taking a trip somewhere. So there's so much that these communities have to offer where they can fulfill and have a great end, 
I don't want to say end of their life, but they can enjoy the last years that they have left or any of us have left. Oh, I think that there's definitely evidence that the the actual n- number of days left will go up. The number of years left mm-hmm. could go up. But I think that more importantly, it's it's enhancing the quality of those years. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, as you're describing, people are surprised to find out that there are communities that have thought about this objection that people want to stay in their homes. So let's offer something that is uh, an enriched quality of life. And tell me about you know, I know that you not only meet with people, you know, wherever you can meet with them and, and you, you talk to them and you educate them and you listen to them, but, you know, you take tours with them. Oh, as absolutely. Well. I'm with them every step of the way, right from the beginning. When they don't know where to begin, um, I'll get people say, I don't even, they'll call me and they'll say, I don't even know where to start. And I say, let's start with what's not working for your loved one. And so we'll go, I'll go through what their needs are, what their their medical needs or what they need assistance with and what's causing them to have to, for their loved one to be concerned that maybe it's time to move somewhere else where they can get the care that they need. Um, from there, um, once we go through the medical and financial assessments so I can match up the perfect community for their needs, um, then I get into making recommendations. And like I said, between two counties, just in Dolphin and Cumberland, but if you add York and Lancaster, we're 155 communities. So all of a sudden, where do you begin? Most of these places are off the beaten path. They aren't on major highways where you can pass them and think, oh, that looks great. But also rely on somebody's experience who have been in and out of these communities and is just trying to select the best place because every every family that I help, my reputation is on the line in making sure that my goal is to make it the last stop. And so once I sit down and have that conversation with them, then I'll send them recommendations and give them a couple days to, you know, do exploratory research on what I've showed them, go into the, the community's websites to learn more about them and, what, and what's available. And then I'll set up a tour, and I'll go with them on a tour. And I'm an advocate for the family. I'm really looking out for what they're interested in. Um, my goal is once I get to a community, it's the community's job to, to show them the features and benefits of their community. I'm there with the family to be a resource, and I'll ask questions that they may forget to ask or ones that are important to them so we can get them answered because our goal is really to make it a one, one-time one move that they don't have to do it again. Now, it's not always possible because medical needs could change, um, but that's the goal. We don't want to have to do it again because it's hard on both parties involved. Right, and it, it, I guess situations where it might not be the last stop uh, – through no fault of the patients or even without a decline in health was the, a, a, a community agrees to take somebody, but they don't fully understand the medical needs. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, oh, it's going to take multiple people to move to transfer this person from bed to chair or around the, the, the community. Or, uh, you know, they just realize, wow, the dementia is further along than we thought it was. So you're there to sort of make everybody be on the same page and, and be have clarity on what each uh, what the the person needs and whether the community can provide it. It is it is very hard for the decision to be made to begin with. To make a, a choice where somebody goes in for a very short period of time and it doesn't work out, it just creates more angst for the family. And so to try to avoid that, that's what I try to do if, if all possible because I've been there where my, my, fam, my loved one just moved into a community three weeks ago and now they're saying they can't care for him. You had a mover come in, you put their house up for sale, you did a lot of things. Now all of a sudden, that community isn't a fit. Um, that's where I try to take the 
the information from that resident to make sure that their care needs can be met. And I'll reinforce that with the community. Now we need this. And it's hard for the community sometimes too. I mean, they, they'll go out and do an assessment. It might be a 30 minute assessment. They're supposed to make all the decisions based on how that person interacted in that 30 minutes of time. So it's, it's sometimes it's very difficult for them, but that's where my expertise comes in because of being in and out of the communities and knowing the strengths of each community and leaning and guiding those peoples to the to the communities that you know that that their strengths will benefit their the their loved one. Right, and you might not say it yourself, but I'll say it. You're very well networked as well, and that you know if if these people need a resource, even that you don't provide, you know you know the the funeral directors, the financial advisors, the elder law attorneys, the uh, you know hospice providers. And, and and sometimes that's what we all do in this line of work is we find other resources because we can't provide everything under the sun that, that someone would need, but you really need to have a team approach and have resources to call on. If you are hearing this and this uh, is, it sounds like something that you need to learn more about, my guest today is Rick Campamizi with Assisted Living Locators. His telephone number is 717-802-1074. You can also email him at rickc at assistedlivinglocators.com. I am Patrick Cawley with Keystone Elder Law. We do weekly webinars. You can find the workshops tab at keystoneelderlaw.com. We'll be back in a minute. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Cawley. We are back with the Later in Life Planning Show. I'm Patrick Cawley with Keystone Elder Law. My guest today is Rick Campamizi with Assisted Living Locators. His phone number is 717-802-1074. Rick is here today talking about how he guides families through the various levels of care, finding the right setting or community to get the care that a loved one needs. Rick, before the break, you were talking about uh, the financial and medical analysis, wanting to get it right the first time so that somebody doesn't get in there and find that they're they're miserable or the community just can't or won't give the level of care that the person needs. Um, you know, talk about the family caregiver, meanwhile, because how often, you know, while you're you're looking at what the needs are for the, the person who needs to go into a community, I mean, how often are you also thinking about the exhausted family caregiver? And I think you've hit it right when you said exhausting because by the time they get to me, sometimes that's what prompted the call. They're exhausted. Being a caregiver is probably the most difficult job because it's a 24-7 job. There is no break. And it can be, you know, a lot of times the people, the caregiver's health starts to decline because they're doing everything for their loved one. And it's just really trying to help both out. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it's really prevalent with somebody who has uh, dementia or Alzheimer's because their loved one is up a lot at night. And so every movement can be, particularly if they're a fall risk, and so every movement that happens, the caregiver's awake. So for the most part, the caregiver doesn't sleep and is working 24-7, and then their health starts to deteriorate, and they can't really care for it. It's very difficult for them, and there's a lot of tears when I get those calls because that they've come to the realization that something has to be done outside the home because physically they can't do it anymore. And 
you know, there's a lot of compassion that is in there too tried to guide them and there's a lot of guilt that they feel because they have to make that decision. So how do we ease that guilt? Because what I say is that, you know, nobody can love them as much as you, but there are places out there that can care for them better. And given that stimulation, I had an example of a memory care uh, husband and wife last year that the spouse, she had to put him in for those reasons that we just talked about. And two weeks after it, she came to me and she says, I just can't believe how stimulated he's getting that I couldn't give him at home. He's exhausted by the time he gets to bed at night and that he's sleeping better because of all the stimulation that he's getting from the professionals. And she had a lot of um, satisfaction and, and, and relief knowing that he was taken care of and she can go back to being the wife as opposed to the caregiver. And the same thing with a son or daughter. My job is to let them, to let them be the son and daughter and let the caregivers provide the care that their loved one needs. Yeah, and you've said twice now uh, about or mentioned twice now about how you follow up. And I just think that that's worth noting. The fact that you are, this is not just you place them, you know, you're, you're getting a, a paycheck and, and on to the next family. You actually make this personal enough that you want to see how did it work out and you're following up. And you're finding out how not only the the person needing care, how they're thriving in that environment, but how how is that that formerly guilty person now feeling about the decision that they made for the placement? Sure. And, and, and let me just make one thing clear. My services are free to families. So there's no charge for my services. Um, people ask, how do you get paid? Well, I get paid by the community that you would select. So that's one thing I loved about the business model when I bought this business was that it was a free service to help families out who are in great need. Uh, but the follow-up is critical as well. I mean, even if they don't, even if it's home care, because if I refer to home care, probably six months down the road, they're going to need more care than what home care provide. But just following up to see not only how their loved one's doing, but how they're doing. Um, because it, it, it's, it's, I want to know personally because I get to know these people and I just want to make sure that they're happy with the decisions that they've made. I had somebody text me last week and said, thank you so much for helping me make the best decision I've ever made in my life. And I can't express how my, how great that makes me feel that I could be a difference in somebody's life and in somebody's care as, as they have to shift to more, more care down the road. And I think it's that kind of commitment and sincerity that it takes to get into this line of work, whether it's assisted living locators or Keystone Elder Law. You know, you, you don't go into it for any reason other than you want that feeling. I mean, what gets you out of bed in the morning mm -hmm. is there are people struggling and you happen to have a familiarity with a whole system that is bewildering to them, but you can bring clarity and you can bring relief. And and why wouldn't you want to follow up with the folks that, that you, who you got took the time to get to know? You know, I had a, I had a call uh, very recently. Uh, you and I spoke about this briefly before we went on the air about, you know, somebody, uh, you know, heard me talking about asset protection trusts and they called and they said, yeah, just go ahead and write it. Um, you know, let us know how much we owe you. And, and we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, first of all, you're not going to hire us for something you might not need. Uh, but secondly, we want to get to know what, how this is, can work for your family. This is not just something we hit print on. And then we're going to we're going to make sure this works for you. Make sure it has all kinds of benefits. We're going to follow up. 
Um, and it's much more relationship oriented. This is not a transactional line of work. Any any of you know you and I and we we uh, get together once a month at least, where we're seeing other professionals who provide various services to older adults. This is not transactional. This is uh, you know not to be cheesy about it, but this is from the heart. I mean, we do want to know that that we're making life better for people. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you know, and, and I think when it comes down to the decision process and myself making recommendations. I don't represent a community. I represent all of them. And I'm just trying to match up their needs. And I, you know, in, in the communities, the people who work there are extraordinary. You know, I think you have to be to work in this type of business from caregivers to everybody in there. You know, and when, when we go and we tour, we, we meet with the people considered the marketing department. Well, you know what? This isn't marketing. This isn't sales. This is a service that everybody provides that, there's a lot of gratification can come to it can come to it whenever we can find the right place for them and they thrive. Definitely. Sales as a service. I mean, I, I think sales gets a bad name and you're right that there are folks in the various communities and they are sales director or whatever their title might be. But the way they see it is the only thing they're selling you on is look, there's a better way. And, and for everybody in the family. So I want to talk a little bit more about when a person comes to hire you, you, you just, uh, I anticipated one of my questions, which is how you get paid. And I think it's worth noting again that that the family does not pay you anything, and yet you're going to spend a lot of time with them. You're going to advocate for them. Uh, but but talk about that model and, and how common is that, or how does that compare to other options I've heard of where you go online and you put your name in and your name gets blasted out to all the facilities in the area? Right. Yeah, my services, and, and it's twofold because I wanted to be a, a partner with the communities. And part of that was is that I would never send them anybody who wouldn't fit their community. And uh, a lot of referral companies that are out there will blast your market, blast all your information to every community that's out there because they want to get paid. The sad part is they want to get paid. So they're given all your contact information. I don't do that. I, you, I, if you want your contact information, you have to give me permission to release that information to, the, to a community. Um, I feel that's my job is to let you care for your loved one. Let me find you the perfect community for your loved one. And so um, it's, it's very personalized service because not everybody tours. There are some that do, but not everybody tours. So I'm with them, like I said, every step of the way an advocate. I'm looking at their reaction and what their reaction is to that community. I'm anticipating what they might be thinking when we're done touring that community. Um, you seem a little hesitant what are you hesitant about? And if I can clarify anything on behalf for them and or the community, I will do that. Um, like I said, if I'm visiting a community, it's because I would recommend my own family, recommend my own family member to be there. And so I'm not partial to one, but I'm just trying to find the right fit. Well put. Today we're speaking with Rick Campamizi of Assisted Living Locators about the full process of finding the right level of care for somebody who might not be safe at home or if they are safe at home, ways to supplement their safety and make their life a little bit better for them. If you want to get a hold of Rick at Assisted Living Locators, you can email rickc at assistedlivinglocators.com or give him a call at 717-802-1074. That's 802-1074. Of course, we were talking about the levels of care, how you're going to pay for it. There's lots of legal pitfalls along the way. We at Keystone Elder Law are constantly trying to provide information about how to avoid those pitfalls 
and have a plan that makes life easier for the whole family. Go to KeystoneElderLaw.com and click on the Workshops tab. If you'd like to attend one of our weekly online workshops, you can attend from the comfort of your own home. You can learn about proactive estate planning that has middle-class asset protection built into it, something that anticipates these levels of care. And you can learn about a deep dive into Medicaid, which is how you pay for at least one level of care, the highest level of care, especially skilled nursing We go into all of that, and we answer questions, and it's all about providing information. We'll be back in a moment with Rick Campamese of Assisted Living Locators. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show. I'm Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law. I'm speaking today with Rick Campamese of Assisted Living Locators. His phone number is 717-802-1074. Rick, you know, I think you probably have the same experience that I have where, you know, somebody comes in to, to see you and you want to gather as much information as possible. You want to see where are the holes in their plan or where they see things. But ultimately, point where you decide, I, I just don't think there's a fit here. I don't think that I can help this person come up for you. And if so, what are the circumstances where there might not be a fit or there might be things that you can't help them with? Sure. I would say probably at least half the people I talk to I can't help because most of the places I deal with are private pay. And so when you're dealing with people who don't have the resources that may have to rely on Medicaid, it's really educating them on what's available to them not just in terms of a community because some of them may not qualify for skilled nursing if that's the level because in Pennsylvania, uh, Medicaid only only covers skilled nursing. But there's a lot of resources in home care that can be provided to them that Medicaid will assist in. So I try to position myself, and obviously, you know, we we do a lot of network and belong to a lot of uh, senior networking organizations. And I can't tell you how helpful that is just to be a resource to people when I can't personally help them uh, with their decision, but at least I can try to guide them into the right direction. Yeah, and those conversations are having are, are being had all the time. It's, you know, I call somebody who is in hospice care or home care, and then the next day they're calling me about two or three other people who need elder law services. They need they need proactive estate planning. They need Medicaid assistance getting into uh, skilled facilities. It's just we're always calling each mm-hmm. other because this is such a network of services that have to come to to the table to help families. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, so that's one where, where people are going to be, you know, if you're working with communities that are private pay, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that that you know private pay and I covered this on a on a previous episode that that people might want to listen to there are various ways to pay at the various levels of care so you know there's private pay there's long term care insurance there's uh veterans benefits for some people for some wartime veterans there's medicaid especially at the highest level if you, unless you have $13,000 to spend every month and and that's of course at Keystone Elder Law what we're gu- guiding people through is those levels of care how what's your plan and even if we're planning way in advance um but you know so but if you're if you're uh, working in the communities or you know trying to find options that where it's private pay sure there's going to be some people who can't help but that's not that doesn't mean that calling you or is is a waste of time i think you've probably had people thank you for for all the help you provide that 
you know, you it's not like you're getting paid for it, but you 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 saw them to a good end. Oh, absolutely. And in, in you know, and there's a big swing in options that are available to them, even in a private pay, that there are some places out there that will work with families um, if they're a little short. And so it's it's good to know which ones will do that. It's good to know which ones may have flexibility. And, and, and you know, in some cases, there might be different incentives that are being run from the community on a monthly basis that can ease that burden on some of the families and that may be a workable option for them. And so, you know, it's just constantly staying on top of our industry and, and, and what's happening out there. But, you know, the, the range of services from independent living up through skilled is so wide um, that, you know, there are options out there, even if it looks even if it looks like it's gloom and doom. And I love the fact that you emphasize part of the value is, you you know, you keep your finger on the pulse of this industry all day, every day. This is what you do. And mm-hmm. it's not like you can just fire up the computer, Google some terms and know what you just said. I mean, it's just not going to be obvious without right. experience. And that's that's hopefully what we the value we bring to clients at Keystone Elder Law is, you know, when you can get in the room with me, you're 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 drawing on lots and lots of experiences, some of which I don't even consciously remember, but it will come out if I'm speaking with you. Right. You know, it's just some things you just have to do day in and day out to really thoroughly understand. One thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, what's what's in the media, at least, and a, probably a perception of a lot of people. And, and for a while there, I think it was 100% accurate. And that's the, the effect of turnover or staff shortages. And, and yes, hiring is, uh, is challenging uh, these days. But what are your observations on, you know, how, how any particular facility is doing or whether there's turnover? And is that at all a concern that you address with, with families? It is, because I think everybody's feeling the pain of the hiring crunch, particularly in the senior industry, in the medical industry. And a lot of people I get calls from are currently in a community and they're looking to leave because for whatever reason, they're just not satisfied with where they are, whether it be financially, the cost of maybe eclipsed what they can spend anymore, or if their funds become depleted, or if just they don't feel they're getting the quality of care. So the turnover in the industry has been challenging because it's not only with the medical staff, but it's also with the administrators and in, in, in so I'm a, I'm a firm believer that every building is, is a reflection of their leadership. And so the first thing that when I'm considering a place is I'm looking at the people. To me, that's the number one is to make sure that the people there are going to be able to provide the quality of care that is needed, plus the atmosphere. Because it's just not the care, you know, it's the atmosphere that they're going into, that they're working in their home, and every day should be an enjoyable experience. And so it's it's really, it, it's evaluating the people. And it, no different than any other business, you know, every business is a reflection of their leadership. Right. And and again, I mean, you're you're in a position to know if, if there's been a change in leadership, turnover in leadership at a particular community, that's going to have a sort of trickle-down effect to you know, the culture of the place and exactly what you're looking for. You know, the, the building might be beautiful, but if, if there's, if there's uh, poison in the water of the culture, that's going to uh, have an effect on the quality of the care. And it's not all, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, we've seen a lot over the last several years where the ownership, they've sold out to larger companies and, or ownership changes. And with every ownership 
acquisition, there becomes, you know, people get uncomfortable and decide to go somewhere else at that time. Right. Because a change could be made at the leadership level. Switching gears a little bit, but you know, one thing that that people might not uh, might not be obvious to people is that a lot of the communities you're talking about. I mean, when they want they want to know, and I've spoken in past episodes of this show about how much does it cost at each level of care. Well, there are standalone communities where they provide personal care, they provide assisted living, and it's a certain cost range probably. But there are also, and it's month to month, Mm -hmm. but there are also what are called continuing care retirement communities that have multiple levels of care. So how do you talk to families about those two uh, different models? Well, I like to say that they all, there's many out there that offer in continuing care. It's just at a different level to some. Because you have some, when you look at the use of the term continuous care retirement communities, or, or as we refer to as CCRCs, um, typically what happens is they have um, a large entrance fee coming into their community. And that entrance fee could be for a cottage, a single dwelling cottage on the property, or it could be an apartment, depending on what the the family or the loved one would desire. Um and so as, as, as you're looking at that, but the, the benefit to a CCRC, if people can afford it, with, which is a large entrance fee, monthly payments on top of that, um, if your funds do become depleted down the road, they, you can stay there forever and get the care that you need in transition. Or you can transition even if, you're, if your medical needs change, but your financials is fine. Um, in a lot of the month-to-month places, if your funds become depleted down the road, then they're going to have to find another community to go to, which is more than likely going to be uh, some type of Medicaid skilled nursing facility as we sit here today uh, that it's only covered by skilled nursing. So those are some of the tougher decisions. And sometimes I get those calls from people who are at a community and their funds have become depleted and how can I help? And so, again, it's just trying to be a resource and provide them with all the information that they can because getting in a skilled nursing community today is probably one of the toughest things because of, you know, they may have a 120-bed community, but only 80 of them are available because of the staffing issue. And so I had calls last week where people had to either, they were referred to from the Harrisburg market to Philadelphia or to Wilkes-Barre had openings. And I don't know if that's the desired route that many people want to take. Yeah, we've seen that as well at Keystone Elder Law. We're trying to help people find the right place and Driving 60 miles away to visit your loved one is not ideal. But I just want to thank Rick Campamizi from Assisted Living Locators for joining us today on the Later in Life Planning Show. You can contact him at 717-802-1074. That's Rick Campamizi with Assisted Living Locators. And I am Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law. I hope you'll join me again next week. If you would like further information, go to KeystoneElderLaw.com, click on the Workshops tab, click on the Elder Care Articles tab. There's lots of information like this out there. Just find the people who can get it to you, and we're here to help. Thanks for listening, everybody.